Si Welcome everyone, you're listening to Daniel here on the Deer Report. Today we'll speak with Precious Fasikin. The topic of our conversation will be graduating during the continual adjustments to COVID-19. Precious, can you share a little bit about yourself before we begin our conversation? I am an undergraduate student, soon to be graduate of the University of California, Riverside. I study economics and anthropology, and I'm also a DJ at KECR. Precious, I have been meaning to contact you to just kind of ask you, you know, if you would share your thoughts on graduating. I have been doing these conversations about graduating for a couple of years now, but Last year, 2020, was the first time I had to do a conversation on graduating during the time of COVID. And at the time that that I shared that conversation, I really thought it was just going to be the summer. I, I might have been too naive, but I, I was like, okay, by the end of the summer, we're, we're back and rolling. Well, it's been over a year. And that's the context that I'd like to kind of place this conversation within. I'd like to just hear how you're doing and what you think. First of all, I want to really kind of say congrats. I'm really excited for you. I've known you for a couple of years. Uh, we worked at the radio station KUCR together. And this is an amazing period. First of all, I'm like cheering all the, you know, all the way for you because it is amazing in any time to be graduating and that's the context also that I want to add like this is an exciting time but I want to be real and know that we are literally doing this conversation through zoom when it would have been at another time recorded at the station in person in production room a place that at least for me is a, a really nice place with great people great conversations and that's the reality of where we are right now. So I'll repeat again. How are you doing? And what do you think about this moment of upcoming graduation? Well, thank you so much for asking and for having me, of course. Um, I'm doing, I think, better comparatively than I have been. I think a lot of people have been over the past year and some change since we've been in, not necessarily in lockdown, but just in a pandemic, which is just... <laughs> it's it's a moment in itself it's very interesting but I would say I'm doing I'm doing a little bit better I'm feeling and I think this is the word that's been circling around for months now but I now I'm finally stepping into it a bit more I'm feeling hopeful um I'm actually I'm excited I always feel excited going into new stages of life it always feels like the first day of school funny enough which is like excited and nervous and you don't sleep at all the night before and now I recognize that as our bodies our minds very much so just kind of anticipating something that's unknown. And I think that that's normal to feel that way. So a year in, I'm excited to just be able to not be in school online anymore in a few weeks. That's going to be amazing. Um, and also just, again, figure out, because I think for a lot of people, it's been a time of just figuring out what you actually like to do and spend your time doing and how you actually want to live your life when you have nothing but time. And now I think for students, that was a little bit different because our time was still being dictated. Our like 
our day to day was still being controlled by this objective of getting a degree. And now I'm finally stepping out of that. And I'm really excited to just be, to just be. Tell me a little bit about your degree. Tell me about, yeah, how you feel that you've been able to kind of build this, this college experience content. So in terms of my degree, I actually came into the university studying economics. So that's really funny. And I studied it because in high school, I was terrible at it. And I was like, what is this thing that I'm so bad at? I want to get better at this. And I ended up really enjoying it and really being able to, and this is something that kind of occurred to me outside of the classroom, but at the university, because Riverside is such a unique place and the Inland Empire is a very um, unique place, I was able to view economics through a lens of justice. And again, that's why I'm thinking, okay, a degree is more than what's happening in the classroom or now on Zoom. So it's like for me, building my university experience was really about applying, 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 applying. And I think that's really what, I think that's what a university experience is truly supposed to be, but I think it's rarely that. So it's all about applying these things that are can feel very theoretical and abstract to your day-to-day life and to the lives of others, hopefully for the better. So that's been really a large part of constructing my experience at UCR and even more so um, this process of getting a bachelor's degree. I feel so grown up saying that. Um, but I think that's been a huge part of it, just trying to be an applied student. Because I think you're always a student, but it's really the, the act of applying what you're learning constantly. How did you end up getting into anthropology? Anthropology. So in my first year at the university, um, I was taking a course and it was actually an upper division course. And I was a freshman. I had a, I had units from um, courses in high school. And so I landed in that course and it gave me the opportunity to do my own research. And I actually decided to do something that touched a little bit close to home in terms of looking at the, a culture of incarceration in the United States. And this is an anthropology course. And this was the first time that I had a professor just pour into me support. And again, I think that's one of the things that in this past year I've been missing because people don't have the capacity and I completely understand people are exhausted and professors are people. So they don't have all the time to pour into students as they typically would. And I was I was mentored and it's just, I, my professor at the time, Dr. Linda Jean Hall, um, really supported me and said, you have to do this. You have to do this. I knew that you could do a project of this caliber and it, I ended up winning an award in that class for a presentation and presenting it at a conference later that year. And as a freshman, I was just thinking, what even is research? And anthropology was the absolute best segue into research and just Research is we search. So um, anthropology really helped me to understand that best. And it's guided my approach to my degree and my time at UCR all the way through. So anthropology has been a huge part of my experience. So now as you think about this period, I mean, one of the things that a lot of us remember about college is how awkward <laughs> the contradictions are. While you're there, you just can't get done fast enough you're you're always like when am I gonna be done you know and here we are talking about this moment this is you're about to graduate soon so how does it feel how how do you mentally prepare for that switch 
I think with a lot of grace for myself and just knowing that I won't know all the answers or what to do or where to go. And I think that that's what's, that's, what's really funny. And I don't love, I don't love, uh, I love education. I love learning, but I don't love um, the system that we all kind of move through because I think it really, it leaves us a little bit twisted in the wind once we're done, just because things are so planned, so pre-planned, laid out for you. You graduate from high school and then it's either you go straight to a university or, okay, you go to community college and blah, 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 and then you'll, you'll transfer. So it's a lot of this energy around here's the path. And then after that, okay, what now? Some people get a master's degree, some people don't, some people start working. And I just think it's it's really a privileged perspective, first of all, to even move through life that way. And just understanding this is not how most people in the world experience their life from age three to 21, 22. Um, I think one of the biggest things is kind of leaning into that understanding and knowing, okay, it's okay. A lot of people don't know what's going on. Um, even the people who seem to know exactly what is going on are a lot of the times just pretending. And I think that's okay to acknowledge as well. And I think I just, in preparing myself for this next chapter, I try to move with a lot of grace for myself because I think it's really it's really a gift to be a friend to yourself. And I think that um, if you talk to yourself, if you talk to a friend the way that we so often talk to ourselves, um, I think that we would instantly be reprimanded. Like that wouldn't be okay. So I'm thinking, why don't I extend the same grace and patience and love as I do my friends, my family, towards myself. And that's what I'm really trying to walk with as I enter this new phase of life this spring and summer. It's actually just really exciting, just enjoying it. I appreciate your position in terms of being considerate of yourself, you know, giving yourself permission to be supportive of yourself, mm -hmm. but also seeing how much of this conversation is based on um, your understanding of what like college has done, which is for those of us that have gone to college, uh, I, I don't think we really understood how, um, how structured our lives were. Mm -hmm. So, and they were structured in ways that are not unfamiliar. In fact, college is an extension of something very similar that we, you know, our K through 12 system. So we understood that like what classes were, what exams were, what a schedule looked like, I find it interesting that you point out that most of the world does not operate like that. But while you're in school, you feel as if the whole world operates like that. I remember, and I still actually have a lot of that as someone that has continued working within like the university system, my calendar changes. I don't operate under like a January to December calendar. I know it, but I don't really live it. My calendar is the academic calendar, which usually it's like it's fall to spring. So my calendars usually begin August or September and they end in like May or June. And that was something that was really uh, difficult because most people that I would talk to didn't understand why I was getting excited for June or why I was <laughs> dreading August, <laughs> you know, um, and that's something that um, it takes a while to kind of see that the world does not operate that. And maybe it feels a little bit disrespectful to consider that I just assumed everyone else was like this, but I think most people that are within um, school system, even, even um, K through 12 educators, when I was a public school educator, 
I did have a similar one. I knew that coming, you know, June, my school would year would end and I'd have maybe a month or two off. And one of the things I'm trying to get to is just that as I hear you speak, you're aware of that shift in, in context and aware that should you go into one direction versus another, you will have to adjust that same holistic, even like calendar cycle, the way you kind of think of your year and your day. As I repeat, one of the things that I find unique about this conversation, particularly as I share it with you, is that I'm trying to kind of get your thoughts on graduating while at the same time knowing like we are still under lockdown. This has been a very difficult year for a lot of us. I would say most of us. How has it been for you as someone that was aware that this was your last year as an undergrad student? You know, it was, it was really, I don't know. It was a lot of things. So I think on one hand, there was a feeling of loss and of course pain because, and this is a lesson though. I had to take in this lesson. I remember being in my third year um, and thinking I would always be so busy. I was working all the time. I was working three jobs at one point, taking 16 to 20 units all the time. Um, I never from 7 a.m. to like 9 p.m. I would be moving constantly. And my friends would say, Precious, like, let's do this. Whenever you gonna go do that? And I say, senior year, I'm working so hard so I can have all the time off. I'm gonna be have a really lax schedule. I'm gonna study abroad. I actually was like on track. I had filled out all the paperwork. I got my passport renewed to study abroad in Senegal for fall. So it was like a lot of, it was like shocking because I remember even in spring, I was still doing everything to study abroad and I was filling out my classes and doing X, Y, Z and it didn't happen. So, but at the same time, I was just kind of understanding that I was really, really, really lucky because everyone in my life was okay. And in the midst of so much loss, um, my type of loss was really minuscule. It was the type of loss, Senegal is going to be there. It's okay. I can go there hopefully anytime in the years to come, um, hopefully in a similar capacity and one that I'm trying to learn and take in my environment as much as possible. And my friends, because again, so lucky that everyone was healthy and safe, will continue to be here as well. So this year was really strange because again, don't wait and say, I'm going to enjoy life next year. I'm going to be with my family and friends six months from now, do it every day. And I wish looking back that I just took slow down a little bit because I was overdoing it for a long time until life forced me to slow down in a way that I'm personally very grateful for, but I just can't help but think of all the loss that other people had to face at the same time. So it really did it's hard. It's like, this was a year of mourning in a lot of ways where I'm just like, I can't be thinking, whoop-de-whoop, I'm graduating. I feel good when we've lost millions and we continue to lose people. So it's, it's definitely been interesting, but I'm, then at the same time, I'm proud of myself because I made it. And this is what we do. <laughs> Things are difficult and we push through and we support one another. And that makes me again, extremely hopeful for what we can do when we act collectively. So I think that's been a huge part of it. This year wouldn't have been possible without collective action. Um, the lives that were saved, were, that was accomplished through collective action. So this, it made me really hopeful. Like we, we can do this um, and it's together that we do. I think there's a sense of contradictions that we feel like, for example, I'm aware that during this time, safety was like, 
the primary concern in many of our homes. Just being as careful as we could be, while at the same time trying to keep some semblance of what we considered the norm. And that semblance for many of us required us to like go to school when we didn't want to go to school. You know, maintain maintain some schedule that didn't make any sense. Like I really struggled with that on my side because I remember last year in March, April, May, that period, which was the most vulnerable period, I think. It was when it, when it was very scary or scarier than it is right now. And I didn't understand why I was still giving my students homework. Like I, and I was doing it uh, for two reasons. One is that I, I thought that I was supporting their journey. And this is like, I couldn't let go of the class if they were still going to continue with the class. And they, I didn't want them to lose their, um, their course, you know, their, their degree. Their, imagine being a, a student last year that was about to graduate. And then all of a sudden that class you need to graduate is not there because the teacher just didn't follow through. And, and the second one was, I think I felt more of a pressure on my side, you know, to to keep the, the machine going, if it makes sense. The, the university literally sent out these kind of like um, scripted uh, settings of like, you know, we're going to keep going. But at the same time, you knew it was just, it wasn't always sincere about our safety, but more so about maintaining the status quo. But I, I wanted to kind of offer something that I heard from you, you know, this very kind of weird contradiction because there is something to be stated that needs to be stated here like i think you you should give yourself credit that you did this through this year while while it it was scary and uncertain because i remember um the second semester the fall semester, it was the first full semester online. We had anticipated it. And I think we spoke about this in a previous conversation that I thought that I was prepared to, to teach this class and I was not. And I wasn't because I didn't know how to deal with um, the emotional weight of trying to teach a class while people are hurting, while people are scared, while I am scared, while I am hurting. And we all just pretend. And anyway, I want to kind of say this, this statement in this way. Like, I think it's important that, that we all give ourselves credit that we made it. And I want to make sure that you know that I'm telling you <laughs> as my friend, like, wow, I, I, I want to give you credit. Congratulations. Like, you did awesome. Because during this time, imagine how hard it was. We were all going, like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm scared. And, and, and I know you and I. Um, may say like we're safe our circles are safe but if we ask a little bit further and we extend it no not everyone was safe I, I can tell you no there was if I just go one step further I've had loss and I've had injury but you and I are safe because we didn't have to share the class context I would you were not in my class and I was giving you homework assignment but I know my students were going through that I know that they were hurting and on my side, I couldn't tell them I got this horrible news. I don't want to show up for Zoom. <laughs> so I just think there's something to be stated about how we as a collective, even though we are privileged and we're safe, 
I think I, I want to take your words that you said, like, hey, speak to yourself like you would speak to your friend. We should give ourselves credit. We did good, Precious. We did good. We did. We did. We made it. And I just was actually telling, talking to my mom about this and just having a moment of gratitude and just appreciation for ourselves and just saying that we were able to do this. And again, I really, really lean into the fact that this was an intense year of mutual aid, of people stepping in where systems fail, um, people making their own masks, people making masks for other people, people making sure that others had materials for sanitation and for just, just making sure that people could follow the guidelines that were being um, exposed to us. Like I think that we were really finding ways to be accountable for each other. And that is what I'm so grateful for. That's what continues to give me hope. So I think that there is a lot to celebrate within this. It's really, because I always just think, you know, humans can be so nasty. We can be not as good as we, <laughs> we could be a lot better. And there are moments that make me so hopeful, moments that make me say, there's something here that is worth preserving. And there's something within us all that is very much so worthy of protection. And so that makes me happy to see people set up to the plate to do that and try to, in spite of, to be completely honest, what the state was saying about the um, ways that human life wasn't worth much, because if, it, if the state believed that it were, um, I think that there would have been a lot done earlier on. Um, we decided as a collective that no, we are worth a whole lot. And here's what we're going to do to protect ourselves and others. So yeah, that's, that's definitely Gardner's um, appreciation, applause, gratitude, joy. Yeah, it makes me happy. There's something to that, to the way that you kind of um, make an assessment of the merits or the, the credit that, that must be stated to what we've been able to do as a collective, all the families that have figured out how to make sure that their children, you know, had access to their computers and I say that in the different scales, you know, the, the little, what breaks my heart is the little ones, you know, the little kindergarteners on the screen. I was like, no, what's going on? This is ridiculous. But I want to spin it and not critique it by saying, I think those are those examples that people were saying, like, I believe that my child will benefit in the long term from maintaining some semblance of commitment to this education thing that we call school and I'm gonna support them. And then on the other side, those children that kind of committed themselves to like, I'm gonna stay on here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my work or as much as I can. Also as a reciprocal, you know, to the other side, cause I think about the idea that like all, all the educators, the teachers that were like, staying up till two in the morning, setting up, you know, their, their classes. It has been a ridiculously hard year for everyone in the, in the school system, but there's something that, that we miss, which is to give ourselves gratitude to one another for that. Cause I think there's a space where, where, I don't know, it just feels so, so heavy right now. It feels scary. We're still not out of this pandemic. It's, it's actually even harder right now as we hear, uh, the global south still have even more of insecurity and and then for us here in the united states there's these moments where people are like oh, we're done we're you know it's over and 
within that uncertainty, sometimes we forget to give ourselves credit for what we have been able to do. And I want to just kind of take some of your direction that you kind of say. And like, I think it's important to say that this year, a lot of good things happened. There is a lot to be said about the pessimistic perspective on the human condition, but I'm, I'm a numbers person. I've always said that like, I'll go with the majority and use that. And I think the majority is positive. Like, yes, there are a few people that will express some, some bad traits, some traits that I wish didn't exist, but those are the minority. Those are the small numbers, the bulk. And I do say the bulk overwhelming majority people are trying to support one another because I think there's a collective space here kind of tapping into your anthropology background. You know, the human condition is a collective experience. Like we made it this far as, as a people because we were in a community. We weren't designed to be solitary. Our survival drops when we're alone. And anyway, I think that's what what's something that I find important that, that we made it through as a collective. I really appreciate your direction of kind of being aware of how many people stepped up and helped each other when the infrastructure that we depended on either couldn't or more directly chose not to. But as we get ready, you know, to kind of celebrate, there's this thing happening, you know, uh, around the United States right now. People are, are doing these virtual celebrations it's a good time to, to really acknowledge that the work that people did to keep themselves safe and not just safe, committed to their journeys in, in, in their respective universities and high schools and even the, the, the kindergarten, first graders, all of them are on that path to try and kind of build a future for themselves and their families and their loved ones of greater opportunities. And that's something that I think a lot of us have, have been, you know, able to give ourselves credit, like everything we, we do, you know, is hopefully to, to kind of give back to those of us, to those people that kind of laid out that foundation. So that like, I think about, you know, how we speak of our families and, and what they wanted for us. Like, that's what I think about this time about graduation. You know, that's why I was kind of excited to hear from you because I, I see every little act of, of gratitude to say like, we made it. It's not just for ourselves. It's like when we say we made it, it's a lot of people in that circle that we call we. No, most definitely. And I think that's so, so important to highlight and just to echo everything that you said to all of the organizers, new and experienced alike, who've responded within the last year with maximalist demands, with critical solidarity, mutual aid, like the thank yous cannot be enough, like that it does so much and it really does continue to inspire and lay new foundations so that we can continue to walk and grow. And I just think, again, like, it's really, like you said, there was a lot laid out that I think, especially at the university that I'm currently at, UC Riverside, I'm really happy to be here. I know it's really, especially for a university setting, it's very unique in the kind of students and professors and staff members that are there. And I don't take that for granted. And I know that if and when I do go to other institutions, it's not going to look like this. And when I say look like this, it's not a perfect place whatsoever. It's still an institution, but it's comprised of people who look like me and have similar backgrounds as me. And that does mean so much. And I just think about, again, that's why I celebrate because when I'm graduating, it's not just me. Like, 
for context, my mother is the first literate woman in my family, like in all the way back, she was the first one to read and to write and do all these things and go to school. So I'm so inspired by all the sacrifices that were made so she could be there. My maternal grandfather was selling cocoa that he hadn't even harvested yet. He was a cocoa farmer to pay for her school, to pay for her uniform. My paternal great-grandmother was selling her clothes. And these are like Ankara, like African print. It's not anything expensive. Selling whatever she had for whatever she could get so my dad could continue to go to school. So it's sacrifices upon sacrifices that make me say it's worth celebrating. Maybe they didn't imagine this exactly for me. Maybe they weren't saying, and my granddaughter will be studying economics. Maybe they weren't thinking that. And that's okay. But I'm here and it's it's something to celebrate in itself. And I know how much was sacrificed for me. And for that, I'm so grateful. It's it's really, it's really not, it's really a lot. And I always think I'm not self-made, I'm community made, I'm family made, I'm ancestor made. And it always carries me through. I'm celebrating on their behalf. I know if my grandmother was here, she would want to do so much. So I'm going to do it for her. Um, even if it's not about me or this degree, it's about the fact that we continue to exist wherever we go. And getting this degree is just part of that long, long lineage of my family doing that. And so many of our families doing that. So it definitely, yeah, I hold that with me. And hopefully when I walk across that stage with my mask in a few weeks, I'm going to be carrying that sentiment in my heart with me as well. As you think about where you are right now, what advice would you give your, to yourself if you were able to speak to yourself at the beginning of this journey four years ago? I would tell myself to slow down, enjoy every moment of it. Um, give everyone a big hug while you can, maybe even a kiss on the cheek and just enjoy where you are because there's never gonna be another time exactly like it. You may go back to school, you may be around the same people for years to come, but there's never going to be a moment like that in which you are right now. So I would tell myself to embrace it and know that I can weather any storm that's coming because there are some storms coming, but um, you have the tools, the support to navigate them all. Precious, thank you very much for sharing your words with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. You have just finished hearing a conversation with soon-to-be graduate in economics and anthropology, Precious Fasikin. We spoke about preparing for graduation during a time of uncertainty and also recognized our achievements and hard work through this difficult year. During this past year and a half, we have seen communities come together to support one another, to care for their loved ones. And we saw a commitment to persevere, to move forward, specifically in terms of schooling. Countless families cleared out kitchen tables, put desks in corners to make sure that their loved ones could continue with their education. As we prepare for the season of graduations, there may be a sense of conflict in being aware of all the difficulties that we have gone through and are yet to go through, but also recognize that it is a time to celebrate, a time to give ourselves credit for all that we have been able to do for one another. I hope you join me in being encouraged and happy for our loved ones as we join them in their virtual graduations. Congratulate them. So I repeat, congratulations to everyone. We recognize your achievements. You make us stronger. And to my friend Precious Fasikin, congratulations. 
we the many, your friends, are happy for you and excited for all of the great things ahead of you. Congratulations, my friend. You've been listening to Daniel here on the Deer Report. I hope you found this conversation of interest and of value and take it to your respective circles to continue. Please feel free to check out the website, dreport.org, to review past segments. Thank you for tuning in. Stay safe, stay strong. Join us again next week.